broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing. Get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Hello there and welcome to RN Huddle. I am your host, Heidi Keeler, coming to you from the College of Nursing at UNMC. And we have been having a very interesting series of discussions here at RN Huddle on the legality of nursing. And we're going to continue that today. We are going to get personal. We're going to we're going to bring Dr. Joyce Black and attorney Katie Cheadle back in here. And we're going to have them go through a case study where, you know, sometimes, in fact, many times in nursing, you'll find yourself in between ethics and ethical decision making and the law and policy and the legality of that. And oftentimes those things, they aren't congruent and we can find ourselves in some pretty sticky situations. So to bring a very personal patient story, Dr. Joyce Black and Katie Cheadle, let's get right to the discussion. This is Joyce Black at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. I teach nursing with the College of Nursing. I'm joined today by Katie Cheadle, a defense attorney here in Omaha. Katie specializes in medical malpractice defense cases and defense nurses, doctors, physical therapists, etc. So I've got a story, Katie, that I've got to tell you. And I have to tell you, I'm sort of worried about this story of what happened because I'm not positive we did the right thing, but I'm also not positive we knew we were doing anything wrong. So here's the story. We had a patient who was getting chemotherapy. We hung the little IV bag off to the side, and it goes through an infusion pump, which we set to deliver that medication at the rate we were supposed to deliver it at. And when we went back to see her, it was already all infused, and it shouldn't have been. It Only half of it should have been infused by that time. And so by this time, it actually had flipped over to the main IV bag. So it got flushed into the vein. It just must have gone in too fast. And so we unplugged the IV. She looked fine and sent her on her way. And a couple hours later, she comes back complaining of terrible burning pain in her arm. And her arm is all blanched. And um, the wound care people are telling us that that infusion extravasated and led to this wound that she's got now. So the question is, um, what if we did it wrong? What if we did set the pump up wrong? Or what if the pump wasn't working correctly? What if the pump was the problem? Because to be honest with you, what we did is dismissed her, took the pump out, cleaned it off, and used it on the next patient. It didn't happen in the next patient. Well, at least I don't think it happened in the next patient. I actually wasn't there at the end. Anyway, that's the story. So, um, help. What are we going to do? So there's a couple things running through my mind right now. Um, tell you my inherent reaction to this is I, I never assume somebody did something wrong. Things like extravasations, infiltrations, all sorts of things happen all the time, even if we do everything right. Um, particularly in patients receiving chemo, it is, it is extremely common to see extravasations um, just because their veins are very fragile. So if we're putting putting any type of fluid into a chemo patient or a prior chemo patient and there's an extravasation, I really do not, that does not raise alarm bells for me that we've done anything wrong on that. Uh, as far as the infusion pump, 
it it is a little worrisome, I will say, that the nurse thought it infused too quickly, but didn't uh, sound like didn't do anything about it, didn't call a provider or something. And I honestly, I don't know the potential risks of a drug such as chemo infusing too quickly. If that's something they should have done, I definitely would be checking into that. Um, but the infusion rate, if that was a very specific rate, I would expect to see that charted in the chart. Now, I tell my nurses when I talk with them that I really do believe in the saying that not so much that if it isn't charted, it wasn't done, I, but I really do promote charting of information uh, because I do believe that's your best defense in a lawsuit and, and your best way of preventing a lawsuit. There are ways for me to gather evidence to show that something was done correctly even if it wasn't charted, it's just unfortunate that by that time you've already been sued. And I would much rather you not be there. I would much rather you have charted the information so that whoever was looking at this case and deciding whether to file a lawsuit said, no, there's too much information here to defend the nurses. It's not worth it. Uh, So I would hope that the rate of infusion would be charted. But there are errors with medical equipment. Things like that happen where it's not common. It's extremely uncommon that we have any type of situation from a product's liability standpoint where the product itself was the error, but it is possible. So a nurse potentially could have programmed in the correct infusion rate, and for whatever reason, the infusion pump um, or any, any number of pieces of equipment associated with it did not work correctly. In which case, you know, we we have a defense there for that nurse that she did not do, he or she did not do anything wrong. The issue would be that the infusion pump went back into circulation. And now I don't have access to that information. The, the pro and con would be if that infusion pump really was working incorrectly, chances are there'd be another patient that was affected by it. But we would hate to get to that. And hopefully that, that wouldn't be the case. But um, my suggestion would be if you if you have an infusion pump that you're looking at and saying, I, I can see right here that I programmed this correctly. I'm documenting that I infused this at the correct rate, but this bag seemed to go much faster than I thought it should go. That's an infusion pump, um, a piece of equipment you need to set to the side and have analyzed. Not only just for that patient's safety, for the rest of the of patients. But uh, my advice to nurses is always to keep any type of evidence or keep any type of information that you need to prove you met the standard of care. And obviously this nurse didn't know this patient was going to come back with an extrapolation. They didn't know that. But this is what I would call an unexpected event. We had, we have a normal day-to-day with chemo. We have a normal infusion rate. We have a normal expectation for how quickly this is going to go. We have a normal expectation for how the patient will react to it. And this is a situation where there should be a little alarm bell that goes off and says, this is abnormal. Those are the situations where I I want nurses' pens and typewriters or keyboards to be moving a little bit uh, more than, than normal, because that's where I need to have some extra charting, extra steps taken. And that way, when the patient comes back, if the patient comes back, such as, as this patient did, Whoever's on um, shift at that point, if it's no longer you or whoever's in the emergency room, they have access to your information too to say, 
I infused it at this rate, it took this long to infuse it, and maybe you just note it took, you know, maybe on average it takes 30 minutes and this time it was done in 22 minutes. The person treating that patient has that information also so they can do an appropriate treatment plan. So there's there's multiple things there, um, but I do think the infusion pump, when the nurse has a suspicion that this infused too quickly and I know I programmed it correctly, that infusion pump probably needs to be set to the side and, and a phone call to risk management or whoever would be in charge of that equipment. So to going back to that day, so what your advice would be is when we got to the room and realized that the IV had gone, the infusion, the chemo had gone in too quickly, we obviously need to take care of the patient. Um, and we didn't we didn't do a whole lot because it didn't seem to have be a problem. And then pull the pull the pump and take it, like, should we send it to maintenance and have, who would be the one that would tell us if it was functional or not? Or is that not my concern right then? Or I, I think you're correct. The primary, the primary concern is always patient care. You need to make sure that the patient is stable and okay. And, and depending on the, on the situation, maybe it's a patient that we need to keep for a while and observe depending on the drug or, or whatever the situation is that we need to make sure the patient is taken care of. Once we know the patient is stable and um, in a position where there's no further risk to that patient, we need to look at whatever equipment, whatever medicine, say it's a, a, a medication error that we gave because the two medicines looked very similar. Um, whatever it is that's at issue, we need to keep it so that we as an institution or whatever group of providers is involved can learn from it and take steps to try to prevent it in the future. Some things, for whatever reason, they, they just are the way they are. And so there's not really much we can do to change the product, change the medication, whatever it is, but we can learn from it. We can educate. We can talk to nurses, providers, physicians, and say, here's something we ran into before. Be aware of it. Be knowledgeable about it. And, and the infusion pump in this case would be something that risk or, or whoever is in charge of ordering equipment needs to be made aware of so that they can find the appropriate person to study it, to examine it, decide if it really is a problem with the pump. And if, if it's a problem with this pump, is it a problem with other pumps? Um, it's a bigger issue than just that pump, but we need to keep the pump so that we can actually examine the right pumps and that pump and, and make sure that we are doing what we can um, to prevent this in the future or learn from it. So the idea of pulling the pump out of service seems seems foreign to me because the next patient coming in also needs an IV pump. So um, I know that's going to be an issue is there's only so many pumps assigned, you know, that are available uh, in an outpatient setting. Uh, but your advice is, until you're positive that pump is functional, you don't want to hurt the next person with it. I don't think the next patient that used it, if I remember right, nothing happened. But perhaps I'm not remembering that story correctly. But the idea of pulling it out of service seems kind of foreign. Because I can tell you that nurses have a tendency to use bandage tape to make things work. Tape side rails on and wheelchair legs on and things like that. And so. Nurses sort of have that, how can we make this, jury-rig this together to keep it functional? And so as you introduce that concept, I know our audience is going, I can't see how I could do that because I 
I need that IV pump. But your point is, if it's not functional, it could be dangerous to the next patient and, and go with, get another one somewhere from Central Supply and not use that one. Because I presume somebody might what, be able to get the data off of it to say if it's not working or... There would be, uh, you know, I, I'm not one to test medical products, but I am certain that they go through testing before we are allowed to use them in any hospital setting. So that would be the job of somebody besides the nurse to figure out how are we going to test this to make sure that it is working appropriately. Depending on the setting that you're in, there's potentially hundreds, thousands of infusion pumps you could get your hands on. And, and from not only the patient perspective, but you as the provider from a risk perspective, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. I would, I, I think the patient would agree. I think the nurses would agree. It's worth it to wait half hour, whatever, to make sure we do this safely and correctly so that the patient's not at risk and you're not at risk for a lawsuit. Uh, if there's any question about the, the functioning of, a, of equipment, it's just best for everybody to wait, to be slightly delayed. It doesn't make any sense to hurry up for something that's going to hurt you. And I, and I say that both for the patient and from a liability perspective for the nurse. I know it's probably foreign to you, and I, I definitely appreciate the creativity of nurses and how they do solve things for patients every day. Um, and what they do is incredible. I, but I do think in a case where you've got equipment that you are questioning, whether it's faulty, you know you've done everything right, then it's just best to make sure everything is functioning before we move it on to the next person and potentially injure them. Because at that point, we are looking at a higher liability issue where we're going now, we knowingly used a, a poor pump to infuse chemo. And that would become the question, did we knowingly do this? So it's just better from a liability perspective to make sure everything's working appropriately before we continue it on to the next person. And if, if there's even a question, set it to the side, have risk, look at it, have, have somebody else analyze it. And, um, and we, that's the best way to protect both yourself and the patient. So the idea of using equipment that may or may not be functional is a huge part of everybody's practice. We use many, many, many pieces of technology and elementary equipment, some things as simple as blood pressure cups every day. I think what Katie's bringing up for all of us is the idea that if we're suspicious that something isn't working, don't continue to use it. Pull it out of the mainstream, get it evaluated, and stop the potential harm uh, for future patients. And then, rightfully so, in the case that I was relating to her about the patient who had chemotherapy, the idea of taking care of the patient first, and in this case, we thought she was fine, and then, you know, be sure that no harms come to her. But the idea of pulling equipment off of the line of, of use uh, is something we probably have to wrap our arms around and be a little bit more comfortable in doing that. Uh, this is Joyce Black at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. I'm here today with Katie Cheadle, a defense attorney that specializes in medical malpractice, and we've been talking about some of the issues that surround the practice of nursing and the legal issues that come about with that. Thanks for joining us. Let's go ahead and stop the discussion right there, and wow, what a riveting conversation about how ethics and situational decision-making can really conflict and or match with the legal perspective. 
hopefully in going through this very personal patient story, it's given you some insight about how the law does perceive some of the situations that we find ourselves in. And hopefully you've been able to take away some information that will help you in your practice. That's what we like to do here at RN Huddle. So for now, we're going to go ahead and sign off and hope that you join us next time here in our RN Huddle studio. Until then, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UNMC CNE or check out unmc.edu slash CNE for more program information.